0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. We are in the middle of the Struggle is Real series, talking through the book of 1 Peter. Mark spoke through the second half of chapter 1 last week, and we're going to pick up from that. The reason it's called The Struggle is Real is because Peter wrote this uh, just a few years, we think, before he died, probably within two years of when he was crucified for his faith. And the church was going into a season where they faced significant persecution. And so these are words of advice to a church in a society that was opposed to their faith. And they experienced extreme persecution But you know what? The struggle is real because every one of us faces opposition and persecution. You may not have to worry about uh, being crucified or being arrested for your faith, but I think the events of what happened uh, this past week is a very explicit uh, example of persecution. They were in a prayer meeting, folks. This was a church in Charleston. We have a church in Charleston. Right, we meet in a historic church building, not that one, but one just down the street from it. And so, uh, yeah, and uh, so that tragedy was certainly, you know, racial. It was certainly, a, you know, who knows what was going on in his mind, but it was also a prayer meeting, and it was persecution against believers, and uh, we are fellow believers with them. And then we see, you know, in other countries, people being beheaded uh, for their faith, people being driven out of their country because of their faith. But maybe the persecution you face (coughs) is something a little more subtle, and it might be oppression at work or at school because of your faith, because of what you believe. That you, if, if you spoke out, you know that you'd be picked on or you'd be overlooked for promotion or just everyone else would treat you in a way that that pushed back, that the pushback that we feel. Or maybe the persecution that you feel is the persecution that is pervasive 24 hours a day, uh, 7 days a week. And that is the influence of this culture to live non-Christian, to live in a way that does not reflect the character and the nature of God. The temptation that is, that is just shouted at us uh, in every form. You know, Just watching television, in my experience, almost seems oppressive. It Actually, I feel oppressed, usually. It's very hard for my wife and I to find a, a television program that we can watch without me just saying I can't watch it you know halfway through it because of the oppression against the things that I hold very dear and valuable and there's this cultural o- persecution and so it's and it's real and yeah we look at the persecution of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East or something tragic like what happened in the church in Charleston and we go what well, we suffer is nothing but you know what this is our struggle and this is our opportunity wherever you are to live righteously in the midst of it. And so we're looking at the letter Peter wrote to Christians who were facing persecution and struggle and looking to his advice to apply it in our day, in our struggle. So we're gonna continue. Chapter two, verse four, says, and coming to him, I'm gonna turn to it. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. It's interesting. Ah, I've got to turn to it. There we go. One more page. It says, the previous verses were moving away from sin. And and Mark touched on this last week, but it says, Therefore, laying aside, or putting off, walking away from malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, We are then to become newborn, like newborn babes desiring the milk of the word. And he goes on, he says, and coming to him. So the idea is leaving that lifestyle or those negative, destructive habits behind, we move toward Christ. Christianity is about encountering a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. It's important that we move away, that we put aside, that we put off these destructive lifestyle uh, habits. But that isn't the essence of Christianity. There's something more. You know, it's not just living a moral life. It is important. That part of it's important. But what what distinguishes Christianity and what, what our faith is, is a moving toward Christ, moving toward Christ, coming to him. And it's encountering a person. Our faith is not just ideals or ideas. They include ideals, principles, values, things that we hold sacred. They include ideas, like there is a God, there's such thing as sin, there's accountability, there's all that stuff. But it's more than that. It's much more than that. And it's more real because it includes, it involves relationship with a person. It's Jesus Christ, meeting the person of Jesus. It's encountering Jesus. And Jesus is described as a living stone. Remember, Jesus was crucified. He died, but then he rose again. Peter mentioned that at the introduction of his letter, that this this is all based on the resurrection. And now we're preaching Jesus as the living one, the living stone. Jesus is alive. He was rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. This continues the same theme that Peter introduced the letter with, if you remember, the opening words of this letter is that we are aliens in this world, but we're accepted by God. Well, Jesus Christ, likewise, was rejected by men, but uh, uh, choice and precious in the, in the sight of God. Re- aliens in the world, chosen by God, just as Christ is. And just as Christ did, uh, we suffer opposition, or persecution, or rejection. All right? Jesus came to earth uh, on his own accord. He knew going in that everyone would reject him. All right? When we were still sinners, he died for us. All right? And he said <coughs> that if they did it to him, they'd do it to us, right? right? And so Jesus set the example He's The the world rejected him, but God accepted him. Likewise, the world rejects us, or aliens. We're aliens uh, uh, from the world system, but we're chosen and accepted in God. And being aliens uh, or being rejected by men means that there's a conflict with the world system, with the values that our society embraces. And this is, you know... I actually have a difficulty <coughs> when people say it's getting worse, okay? I, everybody always says it's getting worse. Uh, the, <laughs> the world's getting worse. Uh, and the reason I have a problem is that is that if you read history, they're always saying that, right. okay? So you pick the century, and you'll find a preacher. Uh, uh, read his preaching, or, or listen to old recordings. I like to listen to... to uh, uh, A.W. Tozer, you can listen to his teachings from the uh, when he was really old. Uh, yeah, there's, they're all online for free. And he talks about how these issues, and I'm like, it's the same issues today. Read something, it's always getting worse. <laughs> the fact is, is that Christianity is in conflict with the whole world system, right? It says the whole world is under the sway of the evil one, under the influence. And so we are living in contrast to that. But in that, we live accepted. We're alienated to the world, but we're accepted to God, and we're looking to Jesus as the example who went before us, rejected by men, but accepted by God. And then Peter continues, he says, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think that there's any chance that Peter isn't actually referring to this experience that he had that's recorded in the gospel records where uh, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And, uh, you know, they said, Well, some people think you're this and some people think you're this. But G- Peter said, I think you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus commended him and says, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And then he goes on and says, I say to you that you are Peter. Now, previous to this, he was, his name was Simon. After this, I mean, Jesus renamed him, gave him a different name, named him Peter. And in the original language, that means rock or stone. Okay, And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Well now we were reading Peter using that same metaphor to describe Jesus and to describe us. So like Christ is the living stone, Peter now says we are living stones. Just like Jesus told him, "Hey, you're a rock. And on this rock I'm going to build your church." It's interesting <laughs> that this, you know, this identity or this metaphor, this image uh, of being a stone that 's alive it 's kind of a contrary because you know stones aren 't generally thought of as being alive right they 're kind of dead <laughs> you, you put put them in water they don 't grow <laughs> right they don't they don 't reproduce <laughs> right they don't uh, they just they 're there just there <laughs> they <laughs> around here they 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 do grow they come out of the ground <laughs> and then your the lawnmower hits them and uh, you have to replace the blade (coughs) so uh, anyway so he's using this idea that it's a stone but it's a living stone so and 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 he compares it to himself he's like listen jesus told me i was a stone but he's telling us you're stones just like peter and we're all that way because it's like christ and so this idea and of course a stone is solid it's hard it's Durable, And so there's those, those images. But a living stone is a different idea uh, because it's, it's something that's alive. It's not dead. It's a new nature. It's something that was dead, brought to life. Okay? And it has a purpose to be built into a house. And one of the commentators says, sons and daughters build up a family as stones do a building. And so it's the same idea when you refer to a, someone's household you're not necessarily talking about the building that they live in you're talking about their family right their children you talk about cameron's house you know cameron you're talking about cameron's family my kids my spouse right and so that's the idea that the stones come together and become a dwelling place and so immediately it it brings together this aspect that individually we are like Christ in our identity as stones, living stones, but he points it to the purpose of being put into a corporate structure or put together with other stones, all right? And so it's great being a stone, but a stone apart from being part of a building isn't much use, all right? In fact, it's dangerous, Cain used it to kill Abel. I just I ac- actually was in between the intersection. And I realized, wow, that's another part of the redemption. Yeah. You know, took, took what in the in the fall ended up leading to death. Now Jesus says this rock yeah. is going to bring life. Right. You know, kind of... you something Mitco could preach on. <laughs> but this is just dead. It gets in the way. You know, underneath these things, what, what crawls? And you know, those creepy crawly things. What lives underneath the rock? Yeah, bugs and snakes and stuff like that. All right, so you take something in and of itself separately. It's not very useful. It's actually dangerous, but you put them together in proper order with other stones and they become a dwelling place, a place of safety, a place of of, of family right and this is what peter's talking about it's like yeah we're rocks but we're rocks meant to be put together in a corporate nature one upon another built up to build a household and that household is a spiritual household where we have relationship as sons and daughters with our heavenly father jesus christ being the cornerstone says for this is contained in scripture behold i lay in zion a choice stone uh, uh... speaking referring to an Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. So Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies that talked about the Messiah, the one to come. And particularly, Peter is referring to him as the cornerstone. And so in in the olden days, when they built buildings, they would use a cornerstone, a stone that was shaped so that it had perfect uh, angles, and they would actually line up the walls of that building with this cornerstone. They would measure everything off of that one cornerstone so that everything in the building was aligned to Christ. And Peter is saying that's what that is talking about, that Jesus is, is the cornerstone by which the household of God is aligned? All right, it says, "For this is contained in script, behold I lay in, in Zion a choice stone, a precious stone.' And he who believes in Him will not be disappointed." Sometimes I like to explain words that most people think uh, they understand the meaning, but the word "believe" or to have faith. Sometimes we make it a little more complex Or mystical or mysterious than it ought to be, right? Believing is simply believing. Okay, like um, you believe you're sitting in a chair. Do you believe that? Yeah, you believe that. Right? You believe that you're on a planet. You believe that the planet's round. Do you believe that? Beth, she's not too sure. It's a sphere, okay? (laughs) How many believe the planet's a sphere? Oh, come on. Uh, Only a third of you. (laughs) All right. In other words, you've gotten to the place because the information from those who are experts and your own personal experience get you to the place where you actually say, I believe that. That makes sense, right? Uh, (coughs) And so... Believing is coming to a place where you've experienced enough about the claims of Jesus Christ, either through the testimony of experts, eyewitnesses, people who wrote this book. This is the most studied piece of literature ever written, probably times a million. There's no other piece of literature that has been picked apart. They literally pick apart each letter and compare it with thousands of original or uh, ancient manuscripts and, 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 and see, and they test every word constantly for thousands of years. Listen, these are really bright people. <laughs> and so by the testimony of experts, by the accounts of the stories of people's lives being changed, and by o- my own personal experience, I just got to the place where, you know what? I believe what Jesus is saying is, is true. I just believe him. I don't understand it all. I don't, understand, I don't understand most of this Bible. But I believe it. I got to the place where I believed it because of my experience, because of other people's testimonies. And I got to the place where I realized, you know what, I, I don't trust myself as much as I trust Jesus. Because yeah. okay, belief is about trust, too. So once I acknowledge it to be true, and then I put my trust into it, that's, that's just what, the, that's what it is. That's all it is. When you do that, that's what becoming a Christian is. I trust Jesus. And I actually believe that he died on the cross. I I, I believe the story is true. And so it says that you who believe in him will not be disappointed. Or in the message it says, whoever trusts in this stone, referring to Jesus, as a foundation. In other words, you've aligned your life with that cornerstone. You accept that Jesus is the Messiah, the one the Bible speaks of. Uh, you will never have cause to regret it. Aligning your life with Jesus, coming to him in faith and trust, God removes all shame. The word in many translations is uh, you will, uh, whoever believes will not be put to shame because Jesus removes shame. He took the penalty of our sin. He took the shame. Listen, we all do things that we regret. All right? Amen? I've done things that I regret. All right? What do we do with that regret? Jesus takes takes that. When we align ourselves with him, he takes away the shame so that our life can be built, our house can be built straight. And we won't regret it. You won't regret it. If you make that decision and say, I'm going to trust him, you won't regret it. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. For those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. All right, so Peter's quoting a particular verse in the Old Testament, Psalm 118, that says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And Peter's saying this was fulfilled in the Messiah because the builders, referring to the Old Testament priests and scholars, they rejected Christ, and they nailed him to the cross. They said, no, you're not the Son of God, and they rejected him. But it was prophesied all along that that's exactly what was going to happen. Jesus fulfilled it. And there's a, the, the contrast now is between those who believe and those who disbelieve. All right? That is the only meaningful distinction between people. So if if you were in synagogue class uh, in the year 500 B.C., what would be the main distinction if you were a Jewish person being taught the Bible? What would you have been taught as the main distinction between all of humanity? Jew or Gentile? Are you a descendant of Abraham or are you heathen? Right? Now there was a way in which People could be converted, and and we have stories throughout the Bible. In fact, quite a few of Jesus' ancestors were actually heathen converted. Okay? They're in the Messianic line. So there was definitely a way, and Israel was called to be a light to the nations. But the big distinction is well, did you make that transition? Are you now Hebrew or are you Gentile? But Peter says there's a different distinction. This is the new distinction, and it's whether you believe or you disbelieve. Irregardless of your race, ethnicity, the language you speak, it's whether you believe or disbelieve. And it says that for those who believe, (coughs) this precious value then is for you. Say, it's for me. It's for me. The precious, the value of jesus himself the value of being joined with him as a living stone that's for you but you don't even see that you can't embrace you can't realize uh the precious value until you believe all right because uh the world can't see it you can't see it once you come into the place where you accept jesus's claims to be true and you put your trust in him then you can begin to experience the preciousness and the value of it. Disbelief leads to rejecting the very thing that God has chosen to align salvation with. And so when you uh, disbelief leads to rejection, belief leads to acceptance. And we are called into acceptance. He goes on, he says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, that uh, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Well, Paul speaks a little bit about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. All right, the message of salvation, the message of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross to take away your sin, it is offensive. It's offensive. It was offensive to the Jews. And it's it's actually foolishness to a lot of people. Uh, and you know what? I don't deride someone if they think the whole idea is silly. Because the Bible actually says it's foolishness. Right? Oh. right. <laughs> so when somebody says, that's, that's ridiculous. I have a good friend that he just says, it's absolute, it's nonsense. It's ridiculous. He doesn't see it because he has so much disbelief. Alright? So I just keep witnessing to him. Uh, um, <coughs> the message is offensive, but we're not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're supposed to co- communicate in ways that people can understand, but it isn't, a, a, the message is inherently offensive. Even from the sense of the message is, you can't be good enough to please God. Bottom line, you have to accept you're not good enough. Nothing you can do can earn God's favor. Wow. Just on that level, that's all of humanism canceled all right but he's offered this free gift if you're willing to submit so it's just offensive in so many different ways but it's true i want to speak to a little bit about this verse because i think some people in my opinion misunderstand this verse <coughs> the amplified puts it this way It says they stumble because they disobey and disbelieve god's word as those who reject him were destined or appointed to do so, I don't see this verse as a proof text for predestination. Um, and what I mean by that is, some people read this and say, and to this doom they were also appointed, thinking that the people that uh, Peter is referring to were predestined to doom. Okay? So, I've actually, I actually regularly have this discussion with people about, well, here's an example of someone predestined to be doomed. I actually think it means that. Those who reject him, whoever they are, those who disbelieve and disobey God's word, are predestined to be doomed. All right, The people he's actually referring to were appointed to the word. Okay, So they were appointed to the word, but they were disobedient to that word. They were predestined to the word because all of the promises of this scripture we're going to read in just a second were actually to those people but because they didn't believe them and they didn't obey them, they didn't get the benefit of them. Does this make sense? Okay. So it's not a proof text for predestination, but a warning to believe and obey, lest we suffer suffer the same fate. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. All of that is scripture- Uh, Quoted from the Old Testament, speaking of the Israelites, the ones who eventually rejected him, but now applied to Christ's followers. All right? And so now the truths, the promises are fulfilled and are precious and valuable to those who believe as opposed to those who don't believe. We access the value, the preciousness of of faith. through belief now this is not replacement theology if you understand what if you know what replacement theology is uh if you agree to it you'll probably be angry with me in a few minutes Uh, if you don't know what it is don't worry about it but replacement theology is this idea that god had this big plan and that when jesus came as the messiah and the israelites rejected him he said oh no my plan didn't work so i have to come up with another plan Let's have a church. <clears throat> and so we'll squeeze the church in and there'll be a spiritual Israel until the time when the Messiah can come again and set everything right. All right. So if you believe in replacement theology, you're probably mad because I probably just really screwed it up. All right? But I just try to simplify it. That is not what I'm saying here. All right? I believe in a fulfillment uh, theology in that all of the promises concerning Israel throughout the whole Old Covenant are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the elect. All right. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the living stone. And we gain access, regardless of our race, whether we're Hebrew, whether we're uh, 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 you know, Italian, whether we're uh, Arab, doesn't matter, by being in Him. It's in Christ all the promises of God are yea and amen. Does that make sense? And so it is the fulfillment because all of those promises were prophesied concerning Messiah, concerning the seed of Abraham. And we gain access to them in Christ equal to or linked arm in arm with our uh, Jewish brothers who also believe in the Messiah uh, if they come into a place of salvation all right, And it's unto a purpose. It's the purpose is to proclaim His excellencies, to praise Him, to declare who He is to the next generation, and to declare our testimony that we've been changed from darkness into light by what He has done. <clears throat> he says, For you were not a people, uh, now quoting from another uh, Old Testament prophecy, but now are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now have received mercy. And so he's saying that this is what's happened to us when we come into belief, whether we're Jew or Gentile, we come in to a people who have obtained mercy. The message translates this whole verse, just narrows it right down to these these two two phrases, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And that's the message of the gospel. And that's what we need when we're facing persecution. When we're facing oppression, when we're facing resistance, when we're facing temptation. You know what? I was nothing and now I'm something. I can stand up to this. I was rejected, but now I'm accepted. I'm God's people. I can I can stand up to this. All right? It's what we proclaim and what we live out that we are God's people. He chose us because of his mercy. He, Peter then goes on and says, "Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Bringing back that uh, uh, illustration or imagery that we're aliens, we're foreigners in a foreign land, and we are not to live like, you know, we used to. We are not to live indulging our fleshly lusts. In the message, it puts it this way. Friends, This world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Being chosen and accepted is a call to live differently, just like Christ did. He lived differently. You know what Jesus did different? He just loved people. He loved people, and it really ticked off a lot of people, all right? But he maintained his love, pure and simple. (coughs) Fleshly lust, sure, it refers to all of the stuff. You can turn to Galatians chapter 5. It has a whole list of them. You know, uh, greed and anger and malice and all that stuff. We're to abstain from that, but one commentator says, not only the gross appetites, which we have in common with the brutes, uh, but the thoughts, all of the thoughts of the unrenewed mind. So anything that is out of alignment with christ these things wage war with your soul and if there's only one thing you remember from the sermon i hope you remember this is that uh fleshly lusts wage war with your soul and i unfortunately often people kind of like they don't mind taking a bullet or a missile or a knife jab into their soul by indulging in fleshly lust, but boy they get one little teeny sliver in their finger and they're freaking out you know what if i said hey let me cut off one finger would you mind i wish i had the clippers i should have brought them in (laughs) seriously i mean would you fight for a finger you know yeah, we'll fight for a finger, but we'll give in on our soul. Do you hear, get the point? Yeah. Listen, the body's temporary. we get a new one of these. But this soul, this is something for real. And, and fleshly lust, war, and, the, and war, the aim of war is to, to captivate or to kill. And often people live their whole life with their soul held captive or dead because of sinful, lustful, fleshly passions that they can't restrain. Coming to Jesus, aligning your life with Jesus sets you free from that. And don't don't let your soul be wounded by these things. He goes on, he says, keep your behavior excellent. And the word excellent can be translated beautiful. I like that. I like beautiful better than moral. Live beautifully. Be beautiful. Be admirable. Be the kind of people that other people go, wow, they're they're just amazing, right? Among the Gentiles. Now here the Gentiles refers to to non-believers. So that in the thing which uh, they slander you as evildoers, in other words, when they're making accusations against you, because of your good deeds, they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. So our good deeds, you know, we don't go to heaven because of good deeds. We go to heaven because we get to the place where we believe that Jesus is true and we trust him. But then our good deeds, living, abstaining from those evil things, and living lined up with Christ, enable us to persuade, to be a, a testimony so that other people can see they also can come from darkness into light if they align themselves with Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, the day of visitation, you can start playing if you want. The day of visitation, you know, what is that referring to? Um, It may be referring to Christ's return. There will be a day when Jesus Christ comes. And at that moment, it's those who believe and those who don't believe will be separated and judgment will be made. All right? But, you know, that moment comes, if you die, if you get in a car wreck on the way home, you know, you're instantly transported to that moment, somehow. I believe the day of visitation is today. Throughout Scripture, it says today is the day of salvation. Today, hear His voice. Today, don't harden your heart. And so if you're in this room and you haven't come to the place where you believe, you know, I respect that. But I challenge you to to take the evidence of the eyewitnesses and the evidence of the experts and your own personal experience. How are you at ruling your life? And maybe would your life be better if you trusted Jesus to rule your life? That's what I found. When I trust Jesus to rule my life, everything's better. When I take control, I crash, right? So today is the day of visitation because salvation is encounter, it's meeting, it's having a relationship with the person Jesus Christ. Would you close your eyes? Join with me in prayer. Father, I just pray for everyone here that if there's anyone here that hasn't made that decision, To put their trust in you, that they would hear you and not just me, and that they would be convinced to put their trust in you. And Father, for all of us who may have done that already, but we have a struggle and it's real, I pray that you would empower each of us to stand tall in the midst of accusation, persecution, conflict, and temptation. And represent you uh, beautifully. And we can be the beautiful people, your people, your own possession, in Jesus' name. We pray this. Amen, amen.